And I, I think a lot of the shoulds, a lot of the expectations we put on ourselves are just like a virus too. You know, they're they're oh. an invisible driving force, yeah, that make us do these compulsive controlling things and then denigrate ourselves if we don't do them perfectly. And, you know, it, it isn't helpful for us, but we maybe we're kind of wired to, you know, to respond to things that way because you know, we need to have some kind of urgency or we need to have some kind of, you know, reason for what we do. Hello, Rocketeers. You are listening to the weekly podcast for people craving richer relationships, fulfilling community, healthier masculinity, and permission to create. Welcome to episode 26. We're half a year through this podcast project. As of this recording, the pandemic rages and every aspect of our lives is altered, and we're really glad you are here with us as we all try to figure out how to stay healthy, stay connected, and stay hopeful. As Charles said, we're celebrating our six-month anniversary, and with us today is Ida Wool, community weaver and friend of the pod. Ida talks with us about what it's like to own a small business in the time of pandemic, how she's coping while living alone with a 22-pound cat, And she helps us pick apart the nature of trauma, self-love, and emotional wellness. Ida is the owner of our favorite local frame shop and gallery, The Frame and I. She grew up here in Prescott and calls herself a near native. She bought The Frame and I in 1998 after working there for three years and has used her role as a member of the downtown business community to support the arts and nonprofits with true commitment. She raises framing to an art form because she herself is a lifelong artist and she is passionate about turning people's sacred objects into real treasures. Ida is a great guest for all of those reasons and because she has a powerful capacity for self-reflection, vulnerability, and humor. We laughed more on this pod than almost any of the others and we cried together a bit too. We hope and trust that this emotional expression is what you're here for. All right, the tape is rolling. Check. Caffeine at optimal levels. Check that. The cats are secured. Pretty much. Pretty much. The microphones are hot. Oh, yeah. We are Go Go for for Launch. Welcome, everybody, to episode 26 of the Rocket Feather podcast. We got through the, the early 20s. We're feeling mature now. And this is Charles Matthews. And Kelly Roberts. And the Rocket Feather podcast is the podcast for people craving richer relationships, more fulfilling community, healthier masculinity, and permission to create. And we're really pleased to have our guest here today who is creative, is thoughtful, is full of uh, expression. Community weavingness. Yep. Yep. Entrepreneurial wow. spirit. Yep. Wow, that's really sweet of you to say. <laughs> All true. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it's just been wonderful to be a part of the Prescott community for so long and have my little shop there and, and get to know all the people here in town. Uh, we do custom picture framing. Uh, we have a fine art gallery. And so I like to say our job is helping people tell their story. You know, mm. uh, when we'll bring in things that are special to them that they want to frame, it's it's like a storytelling. So our job is to really bring that together and, and make it work for them and make it something very precious and special, you know, that they'll want to keep forever. Yeah. People bring in some really unusual things to be framed. 
They absolutely do. Yeah. Um, one of the weirdest was just a bag of, of potato chips, empty bag of potato chips. And I can't remember the story and I really wish I could, but we did frame that and it looked perfect. You know, awesome. you, can, you, can, you can kind of think, okay, well, what, what's, what was the story? Why would you want to frame an empty bag of chips? There's so many things that could have gone down in the night, you know, that <laughs> a good story about this chip bag. <laughs> But but we're we're having you on the podcast because you responded to a question in the the Rocket Feather Community Lab Facebook group that we just started last week, and Kelly posed the question to the group, which was something like, "Yeah, just but what's driving you crazy at home?" Or we were talking about you know if you're stuck at home with family, or if you're stuck at home not with family, what's what's driving you crazy? What's really hard right now? Yeah, and we had a, we had a couple of responses, and last week we talked about uh, Lindsay Ploss's response and and living with parents and how she dealt with that, and and you just chimed up, Ida just chimed up uh, a couple of days ago about feeling like you're beating yourself up. Was that or what? What is it? What is it? Why do we? Well, yes, um, I don't live with anybody else. It's just oh, right. me and my it's just me and my 22 pound cat. And he's pretty sweet. So, you know, I got no problem with him. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's pretty nice. But, um, you know, not having someone around what I've been discovering is, you know, I don't have I don't bicker with anyone else. And the question was kind of leading towards that, you know, what's really getting on your nerves or, you know, what, are, what, how are you coping, you know, with yeah. people. And for me, I'm just, I've been going down this rabbit hole of, of like just beating myself up over all these things that I can't do or the things I am doing and not doing to my own satisfaction. And, and I'm sort of riding myself in this horrible way. And, and so, you know, I, that was what kind of came to my mind when you asked that question was, well, I don't yeah. have anyone else to take it out on, but I'm taking it out on me pretty badly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I, and I read that and, you know, it just, it brought up so much, um, so much empathy and also not only empathy for you, but I'll just be, cause I'm such a selfish person, empathy for myself as well. Just like, <laughs> cause I could, yes, right. Beating up on ourselves. Like, why do we do that? Why do mm-hmm. I do that? Why am, there's enough beating up on me. There's enough beating up on you. There's enough beating up on Kelly, uh, from the outside. You know, I don't need to be, um, knocking myself down and, and reflecting, you know, thinking about all the times that I've, done that in the past and judged myself and uh, allowed myself to fall into shame spirals just going like oh yeah this is like this is like part of the human condition and where does that come from and why do we why do we go there well that was right. kind of those were those were the thoughts that came up for me just mm-hmm. just reading that post yeah no and i i totally relate to that i mean it, it you know hurts my heart and hurts my stomach to to hear you going through it, but I totally relate. You know, it's easy for me to say to somebody else, hey, you should be kind to yourself. You're amazing. And then I'm just like, ah, <laughs> beat myself over the head. So, yeah, yeah I totally get it. And uh, maybe we can pick it apart a little bit and come up with some some idea about how to be with that in a little bit of a different way or acknowledge it. But the thing that I don't know, the thing that comes up for me right now is just what we have found is that sitting with the, whatever feeling is coming up and, and naming it goes a long way toward letting it pass through instead of stick around. Uh, but 
you know, it's hard to remember to do that. I, yeah. you know, I've been feeling really stressed out at work cause I'm still working full time and, and it, I, I love what I do and it really stresses me out mm-hmm. and I just feel like this tension ball all the time. Like I know better. I know how to relax. I know how to meditate. I know how to do all of these things. Do I do them? Not like I could be doing them, you know, now that I'm home and I don't have an excuse to, you know, <laughs> whatever. So why I, maybe the bigger question is why don't we do what we know will be good for us. Do you feel like that fits for you too, Ida? Or is it just a full-on mystery? No, that that definitely, um, you know, why, why, that's part of what has has been my self-pummeling is (laughs) asking myself why I'm not taking care of myself. Because I, I journal, I meditate, you know, I've, I've had good counseling, I've, I've, done this whole practice of trying to be a better person and and kind of grow emotionally and spiritually. And here I am this past week and a half, um, um, stuck at home and, you know, closing the business for the month that we need to close it. And I can't for the life of me settle down and meditate. I can't for the life of me sit down and draw a picture or, um, you know, do something productive like we're supposed Mm -hmm. to. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, it, it comes from having a lot ingrained in me that I'm supposed to be productive, but I'm in trauma right now. It's traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a big involuntary shift. And, um, but, but being here in my little echo chamber, I can be conscious of that and I can think that and I can try to let the emotion wash over me and move to the next thing. Like you said, Kelly, which is the best way to deal with things really is but it just kind of comes back around because i'm sitting in a little you know like a kiddie pool of, <laughs> of water <laughs> it doesn't the wave doesn't just go to the shore you know, it just right so yeah. um yeah you know it's 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 hard because there's not that external contact and i'm really introverted i don't i don't mm-hmm. feel like i'm someone who needs to have people around all the time i need space but having people around is, is actually, I'm realizing more important than I thought. And, and having that contact every day oh. is, is something that I, I took for granted. For sure. I'm just, I'm, I'm, that. yeah, I know. The, I'm thinking of the metaphor. You need somebody else in the kiddie pool to just break up the resonance of the waves uh-huh. bouncing back uh-huh. and forth. Yeah. 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 Well, I or mean, at least, uh, at least splash some water. At you. Yeah. Please. <laughs> Make a game out of it. Please. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And that and that is one of the the fortunate you know Kelly and I are we're so fortunate through this whole process and that we're 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 in the house together we're we're employed but we're working from home um, and we have a pretty good sense of humor about our own foibles and craziness so we can kind of splash water at ourselves yeah. and each other mm-hmm. and you know and I can you know run out and bounce some crazy idea off of Kelly and she can tell me to go back to my office but. Um, <laughs> But first of all, like like major kudos, you know, and I and I know how much work it takes to do what you've done, which is to be able to be present for your own whatever's coming up, mm-hmm. just to even be able yep. to notice it and name it. That is, mm-hmm. I mean, that's like that's three quarters of the battle, I think, being able to notice. And Kelly had a pod or not a podcast. What were they called back then? A blog, and it was called <laughs> Just Notice. Just Notice, and the mm-hmm. idea being that that's the you know, can, can we notice? And I know that for me, when I was living alone years ago, before I married Kelly, 
I actually was able, that's where I was able to develop the practice of noticing is like, I'm washing dishes and some epiphany would come to me about, you know, what I was thinking or how I was feeling that I know that if there'd been somebody else in the room at that time, that wouldn't have happened. So there's sort of those pluses and minuses, right. To being alone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a beauty to it also. Um, you know, there's no distractions. And, and if I could get my brain to settle down and focus, man, I could have got so much stuff done. I know. That's but I, I think you're right on the that, money. There's that, you know, quack, quack. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think you're right on the money that all of this is a trauma and it's frightening on a level and it's disrupting on a level that we've never experienced before. You know, we, if, if, those of us who are, are students of history, we've studied all these great disruptions that have, have come and gone through throughout time, but we've never had anything like this. I mean, 9-11 and the space shuttle blowing up and, you know, all the, the wars that have happened in our lifetime are still nothing compared to yeah. what, for me, the visual I keep getting for us here in Prescott is... It's like in a tsunami when the way the water goes out mm-hmm. and you know that there's a big wave coming, but it hasn't gotten here yet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the idea that we don't know how big that wave's going to be when it does get here. And are we going to get away with it? You know, our curve is pretty flat right now the last few days. You know, it went, it doubled in a week from like 30 something to 60 something. But then the last three or four days, it's been pretty flat. So talking about number of cases, number of cases. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, are we, did we get away with it somehow in Yavapai County or are we, you know, who we don't know and all of those unknowns. And then you have a business to think about and employees to think about. And the weight of that has, I'm sure is huge. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been a real struggle because I don't want to lay them off. I'm not going to lay them off. Let me put it that way. But as well, of course we have to be closed. We're non-essential. You know, nobody really needs picture frames. We're, we're allowed to still work with some of our artist clients who need things done. Um, But the problem is we can't, we can't actually get their work done because all of our warehouses and all of our suppliers are closed. Um, About 90% of them. Yeah. Supply chains shut. The supply chain is shut down when all the big cities and and, uh, states shut down. That was it. So we saw it coming before we couldn't fill orders and we couldn't Mm. get things done. And then, and then we had to be closed. Um, And you know, people panic and they think you're gone forever and there's no way to really um, come back from that. I, I feel like when we reopen, it'll be like starting from scratch almost for a lot of places that try to reopen mm-hmm. because, you know, people will have completely recentered and refocused their lives. And I'm not a, the best capitalist because I think in some ways that's actually a good thing <laughs> that people are refocusing and and maybe enjoying some, some of the simpler things and, and the less uh, consumerist kind of things. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a mainstay and as a way of, of making a livelihood and keeping my people employed and everything else, I definitely want to get back going and get back to work again. Because it's just, again, it's that story. It's something I love. I love working with the people. I love seeing their art and their projects. You know, I love pulling things together and making them look beautiful and 
So I would miss it if I couldn't do it again. Yeah. So you've got the you get the grief of of not being able to interact with people right now. You get the anxiety about taking care of your staff, and the longer term anxiety about whether what your business is going to be like on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the I tell you, you know, this just made me think of the process of applying for the um, disaster relief loans and the payroll protection, and that's been a nightmare. That's just no been another nightmare. Um, you know, and I know that everyone, well, I think everyone is well-intentioned in the whole process. There's just no way to roll out something like that efficiently and cleanly. Mm-mm. And, um, you know, just waiting online and not knowing if my application went in and not knowing if, you know, I even submit the right paperwork, um, uh, or, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then wait for calls and, and it's days and days and days, you know, yeah. at home working on mm-hmm. that. And, and I tell you, I've never had applying for a loan feel so much like this is my last day before I starve and I'm trying to hunt the fastest animal on the planet. Wow. <laughs> wow. I had like adrenaline surging through my body mm-hmm. and just all these crazy emotional responses to, you know, if the little wheel in the, in the browser would spin too long or right. <laughs> like that. So all so, of those moments were fraught with, Mm-hmm. With ex- with existential dread, it sounds like dread. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Wow, wow. I mean, some of it comes from um, just knowing that it's first come, first serve, and there's only so much there. And I'm just a little guy, oh, you know. Boy. I'm just oh. a little. Um, <clears throat> and so there's this angst and this sort of need to get in there quickly, and then not being able to move quickly. And as an entrepreneur too, you know, I'm I'm a decisive person. I like action. I don't I don't like to wait. And, and you know. So that's hard for me too. On not just a basic level, that's hard for me. Charles can totally relate to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what I'm just empathizing with it. So yeah. So there's all that anxiety. There's this existential dread. There's this impatience waiting, you know, watching the, watching the wheel spin on the website, waiting for your thing to upload or download or whatever. And just the unpleasantness of, of waiting through bureaucracy that's not well done because yeah. it's yeah. done in a hurry. Yeah. And, car- yeah, and caring yeah. and caring about your people and caring yeah. about your community. Yeah, this is, you know, this is my employees. This is keeping them on board. Um, you know, this is what needs to happen. You know, if it doesn't come through, then, you know, then I don't know what, you know, and that's that's the other hard thing. It's like have to be I have to be making all these plans at once. OK, if it goes through, here's what we'll do. If it doesn't go through, here's what we'll do. Yeah. Right. You know, if, if we get funding, if we don't get funding. And I have to have both things. I have to hold both things in my mind. Yeah. And, and it's hard to stay positive um, when there's that looming negative, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. it can be very hard. But, you know, there is the positive. It, it probably will come through. I probably can, you know, and I can keep them employed for a while yet. So, I, and I will, you know. Yeah. Even though they're not working very much, you know, I didn't, I didn't cut their pay. I didn't make them use their PTO or anything like that. Wow. It's, it's not their fault this is happening, you know. So if, if I can keep them on and keep them productive in whatever way I can, you know, so they come in individually. So none of us are really overlapping and they'll clean and do other stuff. And we're just, you know, the shop's going to look great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that kind of adds to that expectation, right, that I didn't even talking right. about. It's like. If I haven't, if, if my shop isn't perfectly clean, mm-hmm. if my laundry isn't done, if the yard isn't, you know, perfectly set, mm-hmm. if I haven't reorganized yes. my DVDs or, you know, whatever it is, you know, all of that, all of that stuff. And I, I 
before you posted what you posted in the group, you posted something on Instagram that was, I think it was probably a message to yourself about like, <laughs> you know, give yourself permission to blah, 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 because we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. And it was right. like, yeah. it looked like a nice cross stitch pattern oh, or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was fucking awesome. pandemic. That, yeah. yeah. I and I've been <laughs> Yeah. And it's so, and it actually made me, it affected me in that I've been working with this model just in my head and I've put it out on social media a little bit, this like reduce reconnect recover process that that I think we need to do and initially reduce was about you know reducing your risk and re, you know reducing your travel and all that stuff but I added after seeing what you'd posted out there I added reduce your load yeah mm. reduce yeah. your reduce your expectations mm-hmm. and cuz we can't yeah yeah we can't it's... and you have a cough too so on top of all this other stuff Right. <laughs> yeah. You had through a... the you've been through the <laughs> testing rigmarole. I uh, yes. Do you um, want to tell the people well, about guess... that experience? Maybe uh, you're the first person I've talked to who's actually been tested. Oh, okay. Well, so I have seasonal allergies, and I have since I was a child. And every spring, I get a cough. Right. No big right. deal. Right. And, We're in Prescott. And, That's what happens. Yeah. It's the junipers. It's the trees having their fun, and you know. <laughs> making more trees, you know, and <laughs> that's, that's all nice and good and, and lovey-dovey, but yeah. <clears throat> so, um, my usual cough came on and, um, I was like, well, crap this year <laughs> right now is extremely different. And I can't, um, I couldn't justify in any sense of the word, you know, no matter how libertarian I might feel, no matter how like ruggedly independent I might want to be, I couldn't justify being around my family or my friends or my coworkers um, without checking it out. And so I, I did go to the doctor and I said, it's my allergies. Can I just have a Zyrtec or something? Or, you know, can you, can you give me a recommendation? And they're like, we don't care. COVID test, spit in this cup. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't realize how much strain that added yeah. to the strain I already had, yeah. you know, um, thinking I was sick, thinking, okay, who had I been around the previous three or four days, you know, before my cough started and, and, and all of that. Yeah. they. I'm I'm so selfish in comparison to you, Ida. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm, I'm like empathizing thinking I'm the, the, the analogy that I'm thinking about is like, Oh, it's like being in your jail cell and seeing the guillotine out in the yard and wondering whether it's for you. And like, no, you're, and you're the right person. You're thinking about who might else have I affected. Who might I have been around? Not just about, because it's, it's not just yeah. me, you know, going out into the execution yard and having the, the guillotine come down. It's like, <laughs> what what is this social disease, essentially? Mm-hmm. What what has been my part in it? Have I, have I spread it around? Yeah. Well, the uh, dastardliness of this thing that it's, can we can be carrying it around for two weeks without knowing it. I mean, that's really sneaky. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But you got tested and. Mm-hmm. And um, it took it took about a week. Uh, well, five days. I got tested Monday and, and today's Friday yeah. <clears throat> for it to come back. And it was negative. Thank God. You know? Yay. Um, One small I, you relief know, in all of this. That's right. <laughs> so when I when I got that news this morning, I just I, I just broke down and I just bawled, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, I should be laughing. I should be really happy. And it was just like this wave of grief hit me, just like sideswipe me and knock wow. me down. Um, yeah. But um, 
you know, after that passed, then I started to realize, okay, you know, okay, this is good. I can at least maybe go back to work. You know, I can maybe go around a couple people I know, but I'm still paranoid, you know, yeah. like, like we were talking about, um, it, 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 it almost feels like having leprosy or having something that is, is just super contagious and kind of ugly and nobody wants to talk about it, you know, um, you know, because I, I, and I think it goes back to our past too. Like when people have the flu or something and they, they show up to work and they're like, Oh, it's allergies. And you're like, there's no way in hell that's allergies. You're white, you know, yeah. you're, swe- <laughs> you're sweating, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but we have this sort of shame of, about being ill that I think drives us to do things that we shouldn't when we're ill. Mm-hmm. And part of why this illness has spread the way it has is that people just show up when they're sick and they don't give themselves a pass. And that might get mm-hmm. right back into that, you know, beating ourselves up too. Well, mm-hmm. definitely. so much to do, so important, and I can't just lay around. Right. You know? Yeah. So. And I've noticed also when, on my forays out, I, I'm the hunter of the family and, you know, my trips out to the store, like people aren't making eye contact. I, I I wore a mask thing and I put it over my face when I went out last time. And it's hard because if you cover your mouth, you can't, it's hard to tell if you're smiling at people. You know, I'm like, I'm really trying to smile with my eyes. <laughs> Would I make eye contact with people? I don't yeah. know. It, but everybody's tense. Everybody's scared. Everybody's freaked out. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's an opportunity for us to go easy on each other as well as ourselves because there is such an unprecedented load of fear and uncertainty that we're, we're not used to that. We're all acting weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, yeah. And I want to kind of, kind of put a pin on that and take a little pause here. And um, I want to, again, just, you know, thank you for, thank you for not only being on this pod, Ida, but, but being able to express, you know, what's going on for you and to, and to, and to, and to tell us that you fell down crying and grieving Mm -hmm. because it's, I believe that when we do that, when you do that, it gives all of the rest of us permission to, to a, to do that, to be open Mm -hmm. to that grief, to be open to that fear, to be open to that concern and to not have to hide it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, that's when we hide it, it gets stuck and it, you know, lodges in our body in weird ways. And, you know, what you're doing, what you're doing right now is positive social norming. Mm -hmm. So I just want, I knew, I just want to thank you for doing that. Um, And I want to just kind of take a pause and and come back and kind of like dig into, you know, what is it that even in normal times, you know, drives us to beat up on ourselves? Because it's it's just such a common thing. It's just like it happens all the time, and I, I see it holding people back. I see it holding me back, even in normal times. And I don't think that's it's just like one more thing for us to bear during the pandemic. So if we can like trace it back a little bit, do some contact tracing, right? Mm-hmm. Do some epidemiology of like why do we beat ourselves up? Nice. Why do we engage in in self blame? And then mm-hmm. I th- I've got some I've got some thoughts, and I'm, I'm sure Kelly does, and I'm sure you do too, Ida, about like what you know when we notice that. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. can we What can we do to interrupt it? What can we do to yeah. to not and to interrupt it and to and to recover from it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How to change it? Yep. Yeah. 
So uh, go get a cup of tea, everybody. I'm sure you're all having uh, itchy, scratchy throats just thinking about uh, uh, juniper pollen and, and COVID <laughs> virus. Mm. So go get something to drink, and we'll be right back with the Rocket Feather podcast. And welcome back to the Rocket Feather podcast. I'm Charles Matthews. And Kelly Roberge. And Ida Wool. Yay. And we've been Ida. talking about yeah, we've been talking about uh being being quarantined alone with your thoughts. And your twenty two pound cat. <laughs> and your twenty two pound cat that we just got to meet who we just got to meet during the break. We are now fans. Yeah. Yeah. So what is it what is it that drives us? Because there's I don't so what good comes out of it? Like beating up on ourselves, blaming ourselves. Uh, self-recrimination, yeah, self-flagellation. Like, there's got to be a payoff in some way, or we wouldn't do it. It needs to. There's. It must be fulfilling some sort of psychological or social or emotional purpose. I love it. I can see Ida's yeah, eyes like going thinking. going up and to the right. She's she's thinking, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's a crazy idea, but I mean, I I believe, and you know, I'm you know, I'm on board with a bunch of bunch of psychologists on this. You know, it's like every behavior that we have is an an attempt to meet some sort of need, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. even the even the negative ones. So it's like, what need is being met when we're beating ourselves up? Well, in in maybe it might be a sick way, but a need to validate um, mm. our worst thoughts, our worst case scenario, um, and and where does that come from? It, it's hard to say. I mean, so much of it is conditioning, social conditioning, yeah. maybe our childhoods, you know, we might've seen it in a parent and we adopted mm-hmm. that behavior or, um, I don't know what, but it, yeah. it definitely, um, it's, it's, I think for me in particular, it comes from really not accepting my circumstances, wanting my circumstances to be different. Right. And so I beat, I beat myself up because they're not different. Mm. You know, rather than accepting what they are and and saying, hey, okay, this is what it is. Yes. And and I I think, well, I could if I could just go organize my studio a little more and then I would do some artwork and that would be wonderful because I could share that with people and people would like it. I'd get positive strokes, but it's external, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of doing all these things, beating myself up. For you know, kind of wishing for something to be different in a way, you know, and just not being willing to look, take a long, hard look at where what it really is and where I'm at right now. When I asked the question, I had no answer in my head, so I'm really glad you had one. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like in some ways it's like you said to validate, and what that makes me think about is like it's almost a need for control. And so yeah. we can't, we can control very little. You yeah. can't, you can't, can you can do the best application you you can for the payroll protection plan and all that stuff but you don't have ultimate control over whether it gets approved or whether the internet even goes down while you're uploading Mm -hmm. you know the form not to create more anxiety um (laughs) you know you 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 didn't have control over how long the test would take to come back uh Mm -hmm. we don't have any control over the stock market or Mm -hmm. uh you know how many uh how many covid positive tigers are running through the street or whatever (laughs) Um, so yeah, so it's like, uh, beating myself up is a way for me to take ownership of something maybe that I, I don't really have ownership of. 
right? Control, yeah. Yeah. Well, the, we always talk about the, the five basic needs and control, I think, is a big one. I think, you know, to me, control is kind of, it's an illusion, really. It's it's just something we think we have and we really don't. And mm-hmm. we like to think that we have more of it than we do. Yeah. And that might be where that negative self-talk and wearing ourselves down comes from, because it's like, why am I not doing this better? I have control over this circumstance. Right. Right. Well, yeah, but, you know, I, I also have been psychically steamrollered lately. And, yeah. And so, you know, maybe it isn't the best time to reorganize my studio. Right. <laughs> right, right. Right. Unless it's okay. unless it's what you're drawn to do yeah. to make yourself feel better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and I think you you said you you use the word psychically steamrollered, and I think that's another thing because so much in our Western society. I mean, granted, we are in proximity to Sedona, so there <laughs> there is woo woo in the area, but mm-hmm. mostly we think we are intellects and meat suits. You know, we don't give a lot of credence to the emotional part of ourselves and whatever the spiritual part is, is hard to know and understand. Also it's more ephemeral or ethereal. And we've also defined, we've defined trauma as most of us, the, mm-hmm. the common definition of trauma is something that happens directly to you. Yeah. And that is body. this one event. You're in a car wreck. Mm-hmm. You're in a it's shooting. A yeah. You were abused as a child or whatever. But what you identified trauma earlier is just like this like ongoing stress and worry and, and uncertainty. Yeah. 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 To me to me, trauma and, and this might be just my own life experience with, you know, bad things that have happened. It's not a quick thing. It's not a one time thing. It's it, it can be a lasting thing. And it's something that takes a long time, if ever, to work through on the other side. You know, all you can do or all I can do is understand myself better and understand what I'm doing right now is a trauma response, not related to what's you know actually happening, but getting freaked out about not being able to upload my SBA application and and having surges of adrenaline and like nearly having a heart attack. Well, there's no reason for that. It's just a computer. It's just yeah. a yeah. you know it's something I do every day is work on the computer. So, you know, why is this suddenly becoming this life or death thing? You know, right. So yeah. for for any of us who have experienced trauma previously, now we're being re-traumatized. Yes, absolutely. And, and you've probably seen these studies. It's the soldiers that can go off to war and come back and have had a traumatic thing happen to them while serving. If they didn't have childhood trauma, they tended not to have PTSD. Not 100%, mm-hmm. but they tended to be okay when they came back. Yeah. But mm-hmm. folks who entered the service with childhood trauma, with an ex- you know, with a history of abuse, with a with a, you know, a, a terrible childhood illness, whatever that childhood trauma was, the re-traumatization that they experienced in combat, you know, was that's that's what caused the PTSD. The PTSD goes all the way back mm-hmm. to the original trauma, but yeah. it just got re it yeah. triggered. So all, and and adding to, you know, uh, Peter Levine's definition of trauma, anything other than uh, perfect. perfect care, anything other than than perfect loving care, he defines as trauma. You're like, oh, wow. well, now we're all re-traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and it can be vicarious, right? It's like mm-hmm. you, I'm I'm in the I'm in the catbird seat, man. I got a, a loving relationship, great cats. I'm employed. Kelly's employed. We're both healthy. Our parents are healthy. And I, I'm doing it to myself to a certain extent, but like 
people are dying in New York City. People mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know anybody yet who's died. Okay. Um, but the idea of people, you know, dying alone on a ventilator with their family not being able to be with them, mm-hmm. that messes with yeah. me. That That's awful. Yeah. That hurts me. So yeah. hard. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the, all the medical staff and hospital staff right. just working till they drop yeah. or get sick. I know. Yeah. I have to say the, the people at the clinic who did my test were, it was nine in the morning and they already looked like they had been up for 48 hours wow. and everybody was just wiped. So wow. it, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, even though we don't have a lot going on here, they're ramped up enough where they're just exhausted wow. and the extra caution they have to take the, the new protocols they have to use. You know, and I'm sure that the people who come in to get tested are not happy and freaked out and and hard to deal with also. Mm -hmm. So so you have to layer all this extra hypervigilance on top of great customer service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And that's that's what I, you know, I've heard accounts of people are freaked out and they're taking it out on places that are closed and mm. you know like why right. are you closed i need my you know like the being what we would consider just really unreasonable it's like well uh-huh. duh everybody's closed but mm-hmm. i i think what that is is like all that fear coming oh, out and they're right. not able to surface it and be aware of it in their conscious minds so it just gets coming out sideways and you know other you know other and you can't even give them a hug you can be like yeah we're closed and i can give you no can't give you a hug sorry sorry buddy (laughs) no get back in your car that is is so hard i'm a hugger you know yeah Yeah. (laughs) i'm just gonna walk around downtown just like i'm just gonna be hugging everybody and like oh what's your name sorry okay we yeah. just put everybody in plastic in trash bags down to their knees and just like have a hug fest. We might have to. We might have to. But I wanted to go back to something um, again, kind of thinking at the roots of it, because uh, the, the self-flagellation is a term that's come up a couple of times. And I was just reading um, it's t- this terrible synchronicity had me reading a a science fiction book about time travel back to. 1348 in England when the Black Death started. Uh, And then that sent me down another Twitter rabbit hole following this uh, researcher who's a historian of that period. And she was talking about how, because people were, people were saying on Twitter that the people in the middle ages didn't, they weren't, you know, they didn't really know what was going on and they weren't really active and it must've been so scary for them. And she's like, no, they went out into the middle of their communities and whipped themselves thinking that they could take on the pain, they could take on the punishment that God was clearly sending on their village, wow. and they Gosh. could take it on and make everything better. Wow. wow. So you're like, I'm guessing there's a thread of that kind of desire mm-hmm. in us when we, you know, now, six, 700 years later, trying to control what's going on by beating up on ourselves. Yeah. But finding ourselves lacking. Wow. Yeah. If I, if I could make this pain go away by doing some, some thing, some action or, or even just telling myself I should be able to, and that there's that word, you know, the should word Mm -hmm. is such a horrible thing we tell ourselves. Yeah. Because 
really? You know, also I should put on my Wonder Woman outfit and go and, you know, save the town. You know, I, I can't do that, you know, but, but here I am, you know, yeah. telling mm-hmm. myself I, I should do that. You know, I really should. And if I'm not, I'm failing, you know. Not only a desire to control, right? A desire to feel in control personally, but a desire to be able to be purposeful and effective and useful in community. Mm-hmm. And that's a yeah. really fundamental need that's really been coming up for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been I've been feeling sidelined and benched and just it, it hurts me. It hurts me to be benched. It hurts me to be sidelined. Go ahead. But keeping on doing your, your podcast and, you know, talking to people and reaching out, you are. Right. still lifting up community mm-hmm. but see there you go you're you're beating yourself up right exactly because yeah. it feels good i mean this feels like an important thing and these conversations feel like they're of value and at the same time it just feels trivial you know it feels like there's no yeah. it's nowhere near enough and we love it so it's fun and it's easy so of course you know we're not sacrificing and we're introverts so we like staying home anyway so we're not yeah. sacrificing the way so many people are, either poor people who are, you know, don't have the ability to stockpile food and aren't connected on the Internet. So the kids can't yeah. do their schoolwork and they can't even just, yeah, no, you know, we're really, we're have really entertainment. Lucky. But, yeah. but yeah, then... And then, you know, all the people who are dealing with the sick and dealing with the chaos and, you know, all of that. But the, the you know, that, that overwhelm of like, yeah, I want to put on my Wonder Woman costume. My, mm-hmm. I think I'd look funny, but um, I'd, I'd look, <laughs> okay. I'd look, I'd look funny in Everyone the, in the super- as Wonder Woman. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I'm going to yeah. try it. Um, it's like the Spider-Verse. Oh, she, yeah. Yeah. yeah Wonder Woman. So awesome. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I mean, I I went down for a little while. I, I mean, it wasn't very long, but I went down for I went down hard for a morning where I just didn't get out of bed. Yeah. And then there was maybe a week or 10 days of kind of slowly ramping back up of mm-hmm. like, okay, I can be I can be a victim in this and and complain about being being on the bench and not being able to to do all the things I wanted to do or I can start looking away looking around for how can I help? You know, not just you, you were talking before we started recording about watching two, uh, Fred Rogers movies, uh, <laughs> yeah. before, before getting, getting slammed into the quarantine. Um, so he's, you know, he says, look for the helpers. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, uh Oh, you know, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta look at me. I gotta look at Kelly. I gotta look at, I gotta look at, you know, being the helpers and helping other people, step up as well. So that's, that's what we're, that's what we're intending to do with the podcast, however small it is. And, you know, we're well, not, we're not trying to monetize it anymore. We're not trying to figure out a way to make money. It's just like, we just got to put it out there. Well, you know, it's, it's like, it's like ripples in that little waiting pool we were talking about yeah. earlier. You, uh, maybe you do a podcast and, and something said on the podcast that uplifts someone else who's a caregiver for the elderly in a care home that's under lockdown, you know? Right. But that's the only connection they have. Yeah. Um, the only sympathy even they can get uh, or, or just anything to relate to. Yeah. Um, and if, if even one word or, or one look or a tone of voice lifts them up, mm-hmm. that's, that's really something. That Absolutely. might make a difference. Like I said before the break, your willingness to be vulnerable and talk about what's been going on for you is powerful for every people. And I know that because when I went down and spent the morning in bed – one of the things that 
got me out of that funk was my friend Anthony Avila on Facebook talking about being being depressed and being in bed and not being able to get out of bed and like just letting himself grieve like oh because I hadn't I did not I had not told Kelly my dearest closest friend who I tell everything I didn't tell her that I spent all morning in bed I didn't Mm -hmm. I didn't I'd hid that for a little while and when Anthony when Anthony was was open about it I was like okay that's Mm -hmm. normal we're in a fucking pandemic, right? Then I see your post, right, about the fucking yeah. pandemic. I'm like, <laughs> the, okay, fucking... all right, yeah. I can have some permission to be fucked up. Mm-hmm. That's normal. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, if and if you had a friend who was going through that, would you beat them up? Would you tell them that oh, they better get their ass out of bed? You know, what nope. the hell are you doing? No, you'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, yeah. call me sometime when you're ready. But yeah, but yeah. you would, you know. Yeah, I mean. Granted, you know, I know some people who would probably be like that. Yes. <laughs> right. There are, there are not people. my friends. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yep. But yeah, so, so the, the permission, the permission to feel whatever it is we're feeling, the, the permission to not do things and it's the permission to not have the studio completely cleaned out or permission to not have the, the novel created. And I, you know, if you remember the early on in this, people were like, oh yeah, um, uh, Shakespeare wrote Macbeth during the, during the quarantine. You know, there were all these people were kind of, people were kind of setting the bar a little high. I mean, that's, wow. that's, that's, that's actually really, really high. high. Yeah. yeah. And the bar has, de- the bar has definitely come down since then on, on Twitter. And, you know, now it's more like parents going like, we need to pay teachers $7 million a day. Please take <laughs> yes. my children. Um, yes. Yeah. And little things like the la- not necessarily getting the laundry all done. That's right. It's fine. Because what are you getting dressed up for anyway? Exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I know one of this is a little bit closely allied. You know, I, I grew up with this fear of being lazy and a, mm-hmm. and a fear and it's simultaneously like a deep desire to just chill out. I mean, I love lying on a couch and reading. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I love doing nothing. But I got called lazy when I was little, mm-hmm. when I was probably depressed, it was after my dad had died. My dad died when I was 10 and I was oh. lying around reading a lot and I got called lazy. And I think I was probably depressed. I was probably traumatized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I understand my mom was frustrated. She was holding the house together. You know, I was the oldest child, like, please somebody do something besides, you know, besides mm-hmm. mom. But I carried that fear around with me. And at the same time, this like resistance, I'd be like, I would be sort of like more lazy because I was just like, screw that label. <laughs> um, but it took so many people, so many friends, so many employees, so many, you know, board members or whatever. be like, wow, you get a lot done, Charles. Mm-hmm. You do. Yeah. And I still, and I still, like you say that and Kelly says that. And I'm still like, no. Uh-huh. no I'm it's amazing how those words just stick, don't they? Those, yeah. those things stick. They become defining things in our lives. They really do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Wow. So I use Aww. that, you know, my mom handed it to me in a moment of whatever. She probably, she probably said it once, well, maybe a little more mm-hmm. than that, but she handed, <laughs> she handed that to me and I, I, for whatever reason, grabbed it with both hands and carried it for decades and used it to beat myself up and to create anxiety and mm-hmm. to create a sense of lesser than, to use it to, com- I was always comparing myself to other people. And because I had that label, I was always less than those other people. So I was just like, I was just like living into that label. And I would mm. do things like I would clean my entire kitchen 
mm-hmm. wash all the dishes, even clean the floor, wipe down all the counters, clean out from underneath the burners, like the whole thing. And I would leave one dirty pot. <laughs> and I'm and I'm like looking at myself. I'm no I'm finally noticing this because I would do that mm-hmm. over and over again. And I'm finally like just notice. I'm like, huh, what's that about? <laughs> And the realization that I came to, and I think it's true, is that if I wasn't the lazy son, then who the hell was I? Wow. (laughs) So I took that label on and grabbed it with both hands and carried it around. Nobody else tied it to me but me. So, but it meant that I was able to start letting it go. It's still challenging to create. I essentially had to believe in a new identity for myself. I'm still trying to believe in this new identity for Mm -hmm. myself. And like, Mm -hmm. I still feel like I lay down on the couch midday and read a book while Kelly's still working. Like it's, she can see it now because she's home. (laughs) (laughs) And for the first, for the first few times I did it, I would like go into my back office and eat my bowl of popcorn and read my book away from her. And now I'm finally like, that's you judging you, Charles. That is absolutely 100% you judging you. Kelly's, Kelly's. I'm in charge of whether I take a break and lie down and read a book and eat pop, you know. Yeah, she's not even paying attention to me. She's so busy. So it's like, it's all, it's all right. my stuff. So. And I knew you were doing that even when I went to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the popcorn bowl is out there. Um, but yeah, that so it's. evidence. So, you know, you know, so some of it, so some of this like self-flagellation, I think is like just sort of part of what we've been taught to do as humans in part because of you know, sort of these religious understandings of sin and redemption and all this stuff of like, if you flagellate yourself, your, your, uh, village will be saved from the black death or your sins will be forgiven or whatever. Um, and then there's, you know, sort of the personal things that, that happen, the, these personal labels that some of us take on. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were talking about before the, before the, before we hit record, just about like the women, traditionally are not allowed to be angry and frustrated. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's definitely frowned on. Um you're you're bitchy, you're a nag, right? Yeah. yeah. You're a harridan. Um my my friend Megan always says she's a harpy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's there's not a positive descriptor for an angry female, is there? Not really. And and how many of the how many of the villains out there in, in kids' movies and in fairy tales and things are women? How many? Angry woman, you know, is like the worst possible thing. Yeah, we're not allowed. So I'm and, guessing um, you you want to be a kind, good, warm person. Oh, yeah. I try. Yeah. So part of trying, right, is like suppressing anger and frustration and anxiety and mm-hmm. turning it. Yeah. Where, where does it get? Where can it go? Where is it allowed to go? That's right. It, yeah. <laughs> and I see where you're leading me. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, it's like, you're, you're big enough and strong enough to take it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You, I'm guessing, I'm guessing there's some part of you that subconsciously is like looking around and like, I'm angry, anxious, pissed off, oh. grieving. Where am I mm-hmm. going to put that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where on, on yeah. The, I mean, the 22 pound cat can probably take some of it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I do. I take it out on myself. And, um, you know, when, when I was, um, when I was a kid, um, I was really horribly bullied and, and that affected me. That was one of my formative things. So yeah. the way that I learned how to manage my bad feelings from that, and I'll, I'll back up a little. So 
I was always told that you're supposed to turn the other cheek, you yeah. know, be Christ-like, don't fight back, um, respect authority. So the kids who bullied me were older than me. And the uh, it was Catholic school, of course, and the um, uh, administration and the teachers were all very passive, self-absorbed, and not interested in handling bullying at all. So I would I would try to go to someone and get help, and no one would help. So eventually, I just learned that, okay, I just sort of... I'm like one of those fainting goats. I just sort of am completely passive. Yes, whatever's going to happen to me is going to happen. And when it's over, I'm not going to yell and I'm not going to fight and I'm not going to be mean. I'm going to be nice and maybe they'll leave me alone. The day that my the day that stopped, my dad told me, you know, he he didn't realize and this had gone on for years actually. He didn't realize I was getting beaten up all the time. But I finally I had some scratches on my face or, you know, something was wrong. Yeah. And he goes, "What happened?" And I said, "Well, this this is kind of pointless to tell you. And he, and he pressured me a little bit to tell him. And I said, you know, the kids are beating me up. And he said, well, why don't you punch them back? And it was like this revelation. Oh what? my God. I can do kidding. that. <laughs> I can do that. That oh, is not man. what, that's not what good girls do. Yeah. That's not what good Catholics do. You know, that's not what good students do. Yeah. I, I, it was completely against anything that I had ever thought before, you yeah. know? So that was a new concept. And, um, so the very next day, the kid who had beat me up the most ran in front of me on the swings and I stuck my legs out and kicked her and she went flying and yeah, she never, she never beat me up again. But, uh, but I still have a lot of trouble expressing anger. Yeah. <laughs> and when someone is towards me, I just, I usually will go quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll usually put myself out of the situation, you know, and I might cry or I might be upset later, but I'm not, you know, damned if I'll let you see it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. So uh, that's that's been a process is letting those kind of things come out when they come up and, and allowing them to exist when they come up and not being afraid of my own negative emotions out there in the world. That sucks that you got bullied like that. Well, uh, yeah, it does. <laughs> and, I, you know, I know it happened a long time ago and, and, you know, you're an adult now and it's just like, ugh. Well, you know, I look at pictures of myself when I was that kid and I was like, my God, no wonder. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh but, boy. Okay. That's going to be a whole nother episode. Yeah, but you know, and, and so, you know, but looking at it now, I'm like, wow, I could have used some fashion advice. You know, I could have used a couple other coping skills mm -hmm. um, besides just being me, but I, I'm trying to learn how to love that kid, you know, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about that, I think, on the podcast. We've definitely talked about it between us and just, you know, going back and visiting those young selves. And I I was shocked to realize how much I beat up on a version of my young self because she wasn't what I needed her to be, you know. And instead of holding her and comforting her in my own mind and heart, I beat up on her too, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's like, really? Wow. That's a bummer. But yeah. I, I, once I realized it, I've started doing better. You know, I, I'm definitely, I still have work to do with her, but, um, but I'm kinder to her than I was. Yeah. So oh. yeah. yeah. Try those to poor little try kids. To, yeah. Yeah. I know those poor kids oh are inner child. Yeah. 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 Do you, ever, do you ever ask your inner child a question oh, instead yeah. and, let, and let her answer instead of telling her what she's oh, supposed to be? Yeah. 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 But see, that's, yeah, that's a start. Mm -hmm. What happens, what yeah. happens for you when you do that? Well, she says, you know, 
usually I, I, um, I don't usually know what to ask her even, but usually mm-hmm. she'll just say, you know, you just loved everybody and everything. And you had this big wide open ex- expectation of the world to be this great place. Yeah. And it's not your fault. Right. You know, it's not, it's not your fault that it didn't turn out that way. And, um, so, you know, but she usually informs me to be more loving and to be more wow receptive, especially to myself and, and careful with myself. Um, she does that, but she also helps me be that way with other people too. So, you know, if I encountered those bullies again, I'd be more inclined to say, okay, well, what happened to them? Why are they doing right. that? You know, what's, what's wrong with them and not making it something wrong with me, you yeah, know, cause right. be, mm-hmm. being bullied, it's, you know, you own that and like, like being called lazy, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It becomes your own label, you know? Yeah. yeah. I am a piece of dog food. You know, I am this horrible thing that's not worth being friends with and you take that to heart, but um, overcoming it is just realizing that that kid didn't deserve that, you know, and that kid was me. Yeah. yeah. She sounds amazing. Yeah. She sounds like so open hearted and strong. Well, I don't know. I I like her already. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me, there's that COVID cough. Yeah. <laughs> what is it what does it feel like to hear Kelly say that? It well, I mean the first thing that popped into my head of course was well she was really dorky and kind of fat. <laughs> see? Yeah. <laughs> so- yeah. You see, yeah. just such an automatic response. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, to go back to like, what are the fundamental, what are those fundamental needs we're trying to meet? And I, and I think that a lot of us, a lot of us who are victimized by others take that on in part out of an attempt to belong. Mm-hmm. If everybody over there thinks that, you know, Ida, me in this case, is dorky and fat then I can be in more relationship and more belonging if I agree with them. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. If I try, yeah. if I try and say, I'm not dorky and fat, you're the, you're going to end up pumping my gas, you know, or, <laughs> or whatever. Um, then, then the relation, whatever sort of relationship might be there is, is ruptured. You mm-hmm. know, I chose to grab the handle of being the lazy son with both hands because that's what my mom said I was. And in a yeah. way, that was her way of saying that's what she needed from me in a weird way. That, so, yeah, that's really unhealthy way, but yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. That's what so she if, saw. So if I'm not the lazy son, then what the hell am I? I can't mm-hmm. be in relationship with her. So I think, you know, just out of like, just empathy for the, for those parts of parts of us that took on, you know, dumb messages. Just like, <laughs> oh, you were trying to belong. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got yeah. it. You were trying and, to survive, yeah, even trying to stay safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Survival's a Absolutely. big part of it. You know, I don't, I don't want to get scratched. I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to get beat up. So, I'll agree with you. Yeah, I'm a, you know, piece of crap. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. We're lovers, not fighters. <laughs> yeah. Please don't hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. All this bargaining. It goes it even yeah. goes back to the self-flagellation, right? Like bargaining with God, bargaining with the bullies. All this stuff. And some of us are still bargaining. Like I'm still bargaining with my mom from, you know, the, the part of the mom, mom from, you know, 1978, you know, I'm still bargaining with the bullies from 1970 that I was bullied from in 1974. So there's, you know, part of, part of interrupting for me, for sure. Part of interrupting the beating up on myself, part of interrupting the, the self denigration and the, and the less than stuff is just like, stop bargaining with, the past stop bargaining with with trying to get what i wanted back then that's 
That's mm-hmm. over with. And now yeah. I can now I can provide, and even Kelly can help provide. Like now we just love on Charlie, like little Charlie. Oh, yeah. We just like we just think he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's got <laughs> he's got a bowl haircut and a hand me down terry cloth <laughs> shirt from his cousin, and wide eyes and love and interests, and mm-hmm. going to geology classes with his dad, and you know just that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah we all dressed bad back then. Yeah, he was a total nerd yeah. and awesome. But- would have been so popular on Stranger Things, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. No, he would have been getting beat up just like everybody else on Stranger Things. But yeah. Um, but so I can, so I don't, so I don't have to bargain with his bullies anymore. Now I can just be there for him because he's still here. The bullies mm-hmm. are gone. He's still yeah. here. It's like, it's weird, right? I don't know. I've just started listening to the Brene Brown podcast and she, I've listened to, I don't know, three episodes, four episodes, and they're amazing um, as far as talking about what what it's like to give yourself permission to be an angry woman and uh, just, oh, my gosh, and the vulnerability and just so much good stuff. I can't say enough. We can put that in the show notes. It's an amazing podcast and the conversations that she's been having um, with herself and with other people, um, are just really helpful in this vein, I think, because it shows that it's not just us, you know, it's just not one person having, um, you know, a, a, a way of thinking that's just confused or a bad habit. I mean, there's bad habit in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, but it's coming emotional to our species, stuff, but, <laughs> but there, yeah, but there's, it's common to our species in a certain way, but it's patriarchy yeah. and it's yeah. puritanical stuff. And it's, you know, it's all of these layers, these geologic layers of why we and and the very real aspect, just like when you're a kid and you go to school and you have to face bullies. That's very real. And they don't just necessarily go away. You have to do something like trip them on the playground or punch them in the face or disrupt the patriarchy. But yeah, the patriarchy <laughs> is it's more you know invisible as it were, but it's real too. And and women do get punished for being our full spectrum selves. And so that's that is a very real thing. Um That's an, that's another bargain. Yeah, it's another bargaining thing and and the interview Brene Brown did with Glennon Doyle, who just wrote a book called Untamed, mm-hmm. is all about that bargain. And mm-hmm. that episode in particular really blew my doors off. So anyway, I won't go on at length. But it's mm-hmm. what she did say was when you free yourself, you're not hurting other people. They might be disappointed or scared or frustrated or whatever that you're changing but when you free yourself you free them too yes yeah that is a good point wow wow yeah 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 it's a very powerful interview and i can't wait to read the book (laughs) i'm gonna have to get it from peregrine so so i don't know yeah yeah so yeah from peregrine exactly um which is the local bookstore Uh uh-huh um so i don't know if we did we answer the question did we did we collectively come up with an answer? Why do I beat yeah. myself up, and what can I do about I, it? I feel better now. I don't know about you, Ida. 
I don't know if we'll, you know, if there's some survival instinct tied to it or, you know, some deeper primal thing that makes sense. It doesn't seem like it would make sense. And yet, you know, yeah. probably on some level we're wired for negativity because we need to be aware of what's dangerous. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And when when we don't have any real concrete danger like this virus is dangerous and frightening for so many reasons yeah. and we have so much we can lose. But it's also not something that we can go and hit with a stick. You right, know, right. it's not something we can physically control at all, you yeah. know, other than doing these things that for a lot of us, it feels like it's in our mind, you know, social distancing, yep. washing our hands because we can't see it. It's invisible. And I, I think a lot of the shoulds, a lot of the expectations we put on ourselves are just like a virus, too. You know, mm. they're they're oh. an invisible driving force. Yeah. That make us do these compulsive controlling things and then denigrate ourselves if we don't do them perfectly. And, you know, it, it isn't helpful for us, but we maybe we're kind of wired to, you know, to respond to things that way because, you know, we need to have some kind of urgency or we need to have some kind of, you know, reason for what we do. Like you were saying, control earlier, you yeah. know, it, I think it really is tied to that in so many ways. Thank you wrapped it up. Yeah. That was that, yeah, it's Stick invisible. We don't know how to we don't know how to get a grip on it. We want to feel in control. We want to feel some agency. Mm-hmm. And it scares the bejesus out of us. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? And I, I think, you know, we we didn't you know we've used up a lot of time on the podcast already and I don't know that we have a ton of um, you know, kind of recommendations or takeaways, but it's like, you know, what are the ways what are the ways to express those dangerous, quote unquote, difficult emotions, what are some ways to express them that, that, that don't get us in trouble and that, yeah. and that let us feel freer? You know, I, I used to recommend when I was mentoring, mentoring boys and working with men, it's like, you know, go find a dead tree and throw rocks at it until you can't, until your arm hurts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go find some place out in the wilderness and, and yell, but we're all stuck inside. So uh, I don't, you know, uh, I think listening to listening to loud, angry music and singing along and jumping around, I mm-hmm. think is great. Um, allowing, being able to know that grief is going to come and it's going to come at an unexpected time, and to welcome it when it shows up and try not to suppress it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mm-hmm. way you, the way you yeah. said you did this morning, I think that's awesome. Um, let, let it sweep through. Let it let it flow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. And I think to to kind of pull back a little bit from this whole thing and and put it in a community context, to the extent that we as individuals allow ourselves to experience and express those difficult emotions, the sadness, the grief, the rage, the anger, the the trauma, to the extent that we're able to find some ways along the way to express those writing, playing music, not just listening to music, art, whatever it is, we're going to be better off as a community on the other side. We're going to be a little bit, um, a little bit more prepared, more robust. Yeah, and to be able to be back in relationship, you can imagine that if we've if we suppress all that stuff, if we turn it all inward for weeks, and then when we finally do get to be in contact with one another, oh my gosh, it's going to feel weird. Yeah, we're going to be so weird. Yeah, (laughs) I mean that might happen anyway. Like just being weird because maybe the upside is maybe we get more in touch with ourselves. Right. And mm-hmm. maybe we come out of our caves more authentic and tuned in and able to connect. And that'll be weird because that's different. Well, and I think like, 
like I'm thinking about when I get to see Anthony Avila again, and he lives mm-hmm. all the way down in Tucson. So who knows when we'll actually be in in the same place together? But even though it's through Facebook, he and I shared truth. It's mm-hmm. like he said, "I couldn't get out of bed. I was grieving," and I said, "Me too." Mm-hmm. And now when we see one another, we can see one another. We can be there for one another in that truth, rather than some sort of socially acceptable concocted. Mm-hmm suppressive bullshit bullshit hey buddy nice day huh yeah no i'm gonna give (laughs) that guy i'm gonna give that guy such a big old hug oh my god Uh, yeah oh that'll be yeah so i i I think what i'm trying to say is like you know if we can just even be thinking about that along the way like Mm -hmm. okay here comes that emotion again here comes the grief here comes the anger here comes the frustration yeah all right it is it is actually to my community's benefit (laughs) yeah yeah it's not just about us share it you know, yeah. uh, if you can share it, if you can't, yeah. I found making noise is good, you know, growling and yelling and mm-hmm. yelling and yipping, you know, like, like women do, you make those cries and, and ululations, however you say that word, yeah. you know, and, and just get out there and, and let it out, um, some way, you know, That's just awesome. some way to let it out, process it. It's so important. It doesn't have to be cleaning, but maybe it is, you know, <laughs> yeah. it just really depends on who and really who you are. And angry cleaning. <laughs> I am mopping this kitchen right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that that is that is spot on. See, if you can make noises, that's great. If you can name the emotion, if if it has a name and say it out loud, yeah. it's unbelievable. You might feel a little weird at first doing any of those things we just collectively described. Yeah. But oh, try it. Yeah, I think the cho- I, th- I think the choice is pretty stark. It's like find a way to express it and let it move through, mm-hmm. or we're gonna sp- or we're gonna end up with a mental health crisis of monumental proportions mm-hmm. on top of a public health crisis and an economic crisis. Right. So yeah. yeah, let's express, let's support one another in expressing it, and that's I think that's the kind of the homework assignment, the 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 science experiment. Right. For everybody who's listening to this, is like find. So I'm going to make two different recommendations. Either journal about it Mm -hmm. and name whatever it is you're feeling. Doesn't matter what it is. It might be joy, but name it, name it in the journal. All of them. Or find a sound that that emotion makes and express it as loudly as you're able to. Mm -hmm. It might not be very loud. It might be very low. We could be coming out of the caves stronger than before yeah Mm -hmm. if we take the time to learn ourselves Mm. and be with ourselves and be with each other and when we're alone we can reach out and connect with friends and see their faces on on skype and all the other there's so many ways that we can be in community while we're physically separate yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that was awesome kelly okay Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's end by uh, either growling or or ululating or or <laughs> okay. whatever 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 sound we want to make. And it's, well, I'll, I'm going to turn the uh, the the recording down just a little bit, so we don't okay. blow out anybody's ears. Yeah, we're going to pull down the game. And we encourage everybody listening. Yes. If if you're in a place right now where this is too embarrassing, just put the podcast on pause for a second and wait until you get someplace. <laughs> Where you can either howl or yip or uulate along with us. All right, you ready? One, two, three. Oh.
great. <laughs> great. And, uh, we, yeah, we didn't make the mixing board blow up, so that's awesome. Great. Good. Good job. Yeah. yeah. Ida, thank you so much for, for uh, influencing our uh, evening here during this recording and, and, again, being being open and vulnerable about what you're going through and, you know, their for your employees and your business and, and your community, uh, I, your community misses you and your business and your creativity. And we look forward to seeing it back in play. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me. It's just so good to see your faces and to talk with you and to yodel with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Likewise. All right, everybody, we're signing off. Rocket Feather Podcast, Charles Matthews. Kelly Robert. Ida Wool. Good night, everybody. Well, I hope you all enjoy that as much as we did. Um, just want to say, you know, we all know the answers, but trauma short circuits our knowing, shuts us down, makes us do weird things. And when the trauma is this invisible thing, instead of a tiger or a hurricane, it really messes with our heads. For me, just getting together and talking through our feelings and experiences is the best way to shake off that shutdown and re-engage with taking better care of myself and my beloveds. I feel so refreshed and uplifted after talking with Ida, just being with kindred spirits and acknowledging the fullness of my feelings and us getting to be there for each other in real time. I'm so grateful for the tech that lets us do this and for this podcast so we can have those experiences and share them with you. Thank you again for listening and being with us. Some of the goodness we want to share. We've gathered a small cadre of excellent coaches and facilitators to offer parenting support. We really empathize with the adults who are being called to suddenly be teachers and all day daycare and entertainment coordinators and math teachers yeah (laughs) they have to be everything they have to be everything so one of the ways that we're giving back is starting monday the 13th parents anywhere can schedule a free 30-minute call with one or more of these trained facilitators that we're working with our aim is to just help you have an outlet to just let a little bit of pressure out of your house. Let the tire hiss and get a little softer so that the ride can hopefully be just a little bit smoother. So check out rocketfeather.com and click the schedule the call link at the top of the page. And also if you look in the show notes, you'll see a direct link to the scheduling app. And if you want to know how you can help here in Prescott, check out Prescott Indivisible. That is at www.prescottindivisible.org. They have a a constantly updating list of needs and ways people can get involved and help out. Yeah, and the ways that they have to help out are, you know, obviously lots of donation links for some of the local community organizations, but also the local organizations that need masks sewn or need gowns sewn for the hospital. Um, that need uh, folks to help pack food boxes. So if you're if you're looking for something to do to help feel engaged and purposeful, check out that list. It seems really complete. If you want to help out here in Prescott, check out Prescott Indivisible. And if you're elsewhere, I'm sure your community has some kind of a list going too. And if they don't, maybe that's something you could do to help out. Uh, one way everyone can help is to spend your money strategically. Budget a takeout meal from a locally owned restaurant. Buy online from a locally owned business. Since Amazon is not able to do two-day shipping anymore, why not buy locally and keep your neighbor 
keep your neighbors employed and local shops in business. And another thing to think about while you're going through your closets, if you find a personal treasure, think about getting it framed by your local frame shop. It's generally expensive to get custom framing done, but that one special object and just do it. It's going to be a treasure for your family for generations. If some wonderful weirdo got a potato chip bag framed, you have something worth framing too. Also, I really want a framed chip bag. Just saying. So remember to follow us on Instagram at RocketFeather1, and please also join us in the Rocket Feather Community Lab on Facebook if you want to continue the conversation, meet our guests, and have some fun. It is now safe to unstrap and leave the rocket. Until next time, this is Charles Matthews and Kelly Roberge wishing you a tenacious journey into self-care and radical forgiveness.